Today, I wanna to explore with you all a trend I've been hearing a lot about, and you probably have too, non-fungible tokens or NFTs. NFT has been a hot topic lately, but did you know the earliest NFT has been around since 2012? Isn't that crazy? Personally, when I think of new technology and disruptors in this new digital space, it's always been blockchain technology and what we can do with that. Blockchain technology is the foundation for this new digital space, such as crypto and NFTs. I'm Lauren Simmons, and this is My Body Wealth. So let's start on the most basic level. What is an NFT? It's mostly digital, and it can include drawings, animated GIFs, songs, items in video games, or even sneakers. An NFT is a unique and non-interchangeable unit of data that is stored and it uses blockchain technology to give the NFT a public proof of ownership. Okay, I'm gonna try to break this down as best as I can. In order to understand NFTs, you have to understand the blockchain technology that goes behind NFTs. A good way to think of blockchain, think about building a website, right? You use HTML. Each code allows you to put where things go on the website, whether that's on the top or bottom of the page, left or right, if you want to use size 12 font, or if you want your website to have green or blue. In contrast with blockchain, you can never go back and change the code. The format of the website will always remain the same, and it's the best visual I can give that doesn't make it overly complicated. And this is why coders and software engineers get paid as much as they do, because it is a lot but I hope this example helped. My explanation still might leave you a little confused and that's okay, because I still have a lot of questions as well. I want to understand the real ins and outs of playing in the NFT space from someone who has had firsthand experience with buying and selling along with the highs and lows. And I'm bringing Jeff Staple on today because he is at his foundation, a creative person. The way he bridges fashion, tech, and this digital space, not too many people can do that and make it fun to hear. Jeff is the founder of Read Art Department and has worked on many creative projects ranging from startup brands to Fortune 100 companies. Jeff founded Staple in 1997, the New York-based pioneering streetwear brand with the now infamous Pigeon logo. Today, Jeff also oversees U.S. creative operations for HBX New York, Hype Beast Retail Banner, and finds time in his after-work hours to play in the NFT space. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm so excited for you to be on the show today. Welcome to Mind Body Wealth. Same here. I cannot wait to get into this conversation with you. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh my goodness. I have been wanting this for the past several months and I know you are going to be the man when we're talking about NFTs. So the first question is, we know that style is your thing and you are certainly a trendsetter in streetwear. Can you share with us how you got started in the streetwear space? Yeah, that's a, it's a really good question because when I started out, the word streetwear wasn't even invented yet. So I could actually give you like the before of how streetwear was even born. Um, if you go back to like the late 80s, early 90s, and I'm sort of aging myself here, 
young people who fell into certain subcultures were very distinct and separate from one another. And what I mean by that is like, if you were into hip hop, you looked and dressed a certain way. If you were into skateboarding, you looked and dressed a certain way. And if you were into like punk and rock music, you looked and dressed a certain way, right? If you were uh, a white kid and you dressed baggy, you were weird. If you were a black kid and you wore tight jeans and had a skateboard, you were weird. You know, honestly, if you're an Asian kid and you weren't like going to Harvard, you were weird. So um, <laughs> we, had, we, had, we all had our stereotypes, you know. Um, but what happened in the early 90s is all of those barriers began to start melting away and breaking down. Um, and I think music had a big part of that as well as I think sneakers had a big part of that too. So once those barriers started to break down, then you started to see the beginnings of what we call today streetwear or street style or street culture. Um, so I was luckily hanging out in downtown New York City in the early 90s as those barriers and walls were coming down. And it was honestly, to me, the last golden era of New York City because it was just such an exciting moment where like everyone was just hanging out together and like co-mingling. It was really awesome times. I love that. I mean, we're talking about the golden era and streetwear and, and being able to mix um, all of this. And did you know in hindsight that this would be something that would still be current even today, like being able to bridge the two and where we would be currently in fashion? I mean, it, the first, I would say the first five years of the birth of street culture, it was like a ragtag bunch of people downtown. It was such a close-knit circle that I'm talking about in the hundreds of people, like literally like that's how many people were down with like this whole mixing and I'm saying, like, the, the way I know that is because there were certain brands that were really, like, at the forefront of this. Like, Triple Five Soul was one of them. PNB Nation was another one. Um, Union, which is a store in L.A. now, but it was a store in New York back then. I mean, the Union store, which today does, like, collaborations with Jordan Brand and everything like that. Like, back then, the Union store in New York was a 300-square-foot tiny little thumbnail of a, of a store and it, the whole store couldn't hold more than seven people at a time. So the people who shop there, and then if you bought a T-shirt from there, if you're walking uptown or in Brooklyn, and if you saw another kid wearing like a Triple Five Soul shirt, you were friends. Like you could cross the street and shake hands and be like, oh my God, you know this brand, I know this brand, like we're homies now, you know? It was so close-knit. So we didn't think that there was any possible explosion or growth that could come out of this because it was such a tight click. But going in like five years later, and I'm sure this exists on YouTube or somewhere in old interviews, but I started making the proclamation on stage in front of thousands of people at certain talks that I would do. I said to them that street culture is going to be bigger than hip hop culture and skate culture and rock culture because it is the combination of all of them. And, you know, even at the time, hip-hop culture was like a billion-dollar industry. But I knew that because sneakers, and particularly collecting sneakers, sneaker heads, and the secondary market of sneakers was part of street culture, I knew it was going to blow up and be bigger than all of those combined before. So this is a little bit of a pivot, but... In regards to, I guess, the NFT space, I mean, I would say it's kind of very similar. Like NFTs have been around over a decade now. And the ones that started in the NFT, even the knowing what blockchain technology is, 
that was a very close-knit circle. And now we're seeing a decade later that it is blowing up. So for in regards to you, like you're a risk taker, what made you decide to dip into the NFT space? And how long have you been in the NFT space? Were you part of the original 10 years ago or... Hell no, hell no. And this is why this is why I think a lot of people resonate with what I'm doing in the NFT space. And you hit the nail on the head there, Lauren. I mean, like the energy that I'm feeling now with crypto and NFT is the energy that I felt in the union store in Soho in the Lower East Side of New York City in the early 90s. It's like that same raw energy, which is why I'm so attracted to it. But I'm not a 10-year-in-crypto head that's had Bitcoin since it was like, you know, $30. I've only had my crypto wallet and I've only been into NFTs for like six months, not even a oh, full wow. year. Yeah, wow. I'm a total, as they call, noob in the, in the <laughs> industry. But I think that's why people are really excited to see what I'm doing because I'm not trying to shill them or sell them into like convert all their fiat currency into crypto. You know, like I'm just as scared, hesitant, nervous, and excited, all equal parts about this whole thing. Um, And you're right, to me, I see it as currently, it's a subculture. The passion that I feel and sense in Discord chats and on Twitter is amazing. And quite frankly, like, let's call it Web 2.0, which is, you know, the predecessor to Web 3. So that's like your Instagrams and like sort of your, your social media platforms. Those all feel, dare I say, a little dead to me, right? Like everyone, I mean, it's not even just me. Everyone's felt it. Instagram just sort of now feels like one long ass sales brochure from all of your friends. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? I agree. And then, yeah. and then when I go on Discord, this is like the barbershop, the park bench. This is like real people having real conversations and sharing passions again. You know, it's, it's totally unfiltered and it's really exciting. Um, so it's at stage one because... Not everyone has a brand and is trying to pump their brand and like trying to be an influencer or whatever, but like everyone's just sharing passions right now and the outcome of that hasn't yet been determined. Some of it admittedly is terrible art as NFTs. Some of it is really cool, but we're in that experimental phase right now and that's why I'm dipping my toe in the water. Um, I've done a couple of NFT projects, which I'm sure we'll get into, that were done collaboratively. But now I'm finally embarking on my own NFT project called the Stapleverse. Oh, we will get into that. Can you tell me, how did you get introduced to NFTs, like being able just to buy and sell them? Yeah, uh, I linked up with a group called Artifact, which is spelled R-T-F-K-T. Okay, and if there was a supreme of the NFT world, it's Artifact. In the sense that they're the OGs, they've been there since day one of this, uh, building incredible artwork Um, And when they released stuff, I felt like, man, these kids remind me of me when I was starting Staple as a streetwear physical brand. And so I I literally slid into their DMs and I was like, yo, just wanted to say props to what you guys are doing. Uh, And they wrote back like, you're a legend. I can't believe you acknowledge us. So it's, it's definitely like this like mentor, mentee, student, teacher kind of thing that happened. And they were like, we, we got to do something together. So my first dip into the NFT world was vis-a-vis them. And, you know, I had a great shepherd because they were experts in this new world. Um, so that was my first collab. And then the second one was with Gary Vaynerchuk of, you know, Gary V. He's been building V Friends. And that also happened very surreptitiously. So V Friends is a collection of animals that Gary V drew himself. And two of the animals that he drew was a pigeon. 
and he posted it. And Gary and I follow each other, but we've never like worked on anything together. And so when he posted the pigeon, people on the on his comments started saying like, "Wow, is it Jeff and Gary need to have a meeting?" And I wrote back, "Yeah, like Gary, your pigeon and my pigeon need to have a meeting." And that day we got on a, a video chat and we talked about how we were going to collaborate. So we built out physical merchandise for owners of his pigeon NFT. So the only way you could get that hoodie and that hat and that tee was if you had his V friend pigeon NFT. So it was like another linking of digital and physical. I actually have a question about that because a lot of NFTs for people that are listening that don't realize NFTs are for the most part, all digital, right? There are yes. different kind of NFTs, but they're all 99.9%. digital. Digital. So, like, you can't touch, you can't have a physical asset. And what I think, Jeff, what is so interesting with you is that you've been able to create these digital tokens, NFTs, but also having in real life pieces in tandem together, which a lot of people at this time aren't doing that. Even collaborating with Gary Vee, like, what made you decide? we should sell something in real life as well as having this digital token. You know, like Wall Street Journal, New York Times, all of these outlets have asked me that question. Like, how did you have the foresight, Jeff, to link physical goods? You know, my, I'm a vain mofo. Like, I like fly gear. That's really what it comes down to. Like, you know, I get, I get all you digital kids want like a great NFT wallet, but I want fly clothes and fly kicks still. <laughs> That's literally what it comes down to, you know? So, and it was really just, I was just like to the artifact guys, I was like, can we make this real? And they were literally like, what do you mean real? It is real. I'm like, no, real, like I could put it on my I foot and touch, go to the mall. I could touch, I could smell, yeah. <laughs> because because the whole premise of crypto and NFTs are that they exist in the digital space, right? And that's the advantage of it. You forego the physical world. So it's like, that's the cool part about it. But I'm still of the mindset that like, I still like records and like, you know, seeing people and having dinners with people at restaurants. Like, I still like those things. So it was just natural for me. I, yeah, it wasn't a genius, like, you know, foresighting move by my part. It was just like, I just wanted that stuff. Um, and now it's becoming a, a real thing where, a lot, you know, a lot more NFTs are trying to link that. But the problem is, here's the problem or like the issue. If you're really good at NFTs and at coding and like programming, you're probably less adept in the fashion style world, right? So if you're like putting out the greatest NFT project in the world and then you decide, I want to make some fly ass gear, you probably won't be that good at making that, that dope gear, you know what I mean? And whereas if you're an incredible fashion designer that has a great history, you probably are pretty terrible at coding and making like the digital part. So like it, there's not many people that could bridge that world, you know, that's the challenge. Yeah. I guess there, there really wasn't foresight. It's just like coming from this, you know, wanting to be able to continue to wear clothes and have tangible items as well as being in this new era, which I think is phenomenal. And the, the takeaway for me is that we can both learn from each other. That's the real cool thing. There's a saying that they have in the metaverse called WAGMI. Have you heard of this? I am not. W-A-G-M-I. They say it to each other, okay? It's, they go, wag me, wag me. And what wag me literally translates to is we all gonna make it. Oh my goodness. I'm getting so like a master class from you right now in yeah, this digital no. space. Go, yeah, that spirit is dope. That spirit is really dope though because it's not about me knowing more than you or you knowing more than me. It's like, let's take everything we know and share it. We're all gonna make it. That's dope to me. 
I love that. Would you mind sharing how much money you've made off of your NFTs so far? It's pretty um, game-changing money in the small amount of time that I've been into it. Mm-hmm. Um, less than a year, pre- which is crazy. Less than a year. Yeah. Um, I will say that, like, I want to preface this by saying that if you hop into the NFT crypto space for the money, you're in trouble. Because that's the equivalent of saying, I'm going to Las Vegas to the casinos for the money. Like, if that's how you're going to pay your rent, mortgage, and put food on your table, you need to check yourself. Yeah, you need to treat this whole world as a big gamble because it is a gamble. You know, have your ducks in a row, have the money that you're going to allocate to this to be money that you can literally burn in a fireplace if you wanted to because it could just go up in flames. Now, Disposable income, yeah. Yep, exactly. The, now, the money that I've made is... Um, it's good. I mean, it's, it's house money. It's, it's L.A., New York house money. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. So, um, and I'll, I'll six give you an figures, ex- seven figures plus. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, okay. it's, in the six months, it's low sevens. Okay. Yeah. But I do want to also preference by saying not all NFTs, if you put in a dollar, you'll get six, seven figures back. So my question is, who puts the value on an NFT? Is it you? Is it an expert? Is it... No, it's the community, the whole community. The community, okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know what's funny is um, my mom just asked me this question because she's trying to understand it too, right? So I, I said to my mom, I was like, Mom, you just bought a Chanel bag on the real real for $3,000, right? Who dictates that that Chanel bag is worth $3,000? Because if I went on the real real and I said... I'm selling a Chanel bag for $25. I'm messing up the whole ecosystem. You because are. someone, right? People would be I, like, oh I, my God. I would personally come after you because I, exactly. I like Chanel bags. Yeah, no, but you, you, know, what, you know what would happen? This, yeah. the, the community self-regulates because what would happen is you would buy my Chanel bag for $50. You would immediately resell for $3,000. Exactly. Yes. I would. That's what's happening in NFT world. There's a regulating valuation that's happening in the NFT world where people see value in this digital art. And yes, someone could come in and be like, that's worthless. I'll give you, I'll sell mine for a dollar. It's like, okay, go ahead and try, you know? Um, So yeah, we did release an NFT with Artifact that was $1. It's a sort of modernized pigeon that we did. It was a dollar. And at its peak price, it was going for like $76,000 at its peak for a $1 investment. Yeah, I had people on Twitter hitting me up like, you've changed my life. Like I can put my kids through real college in the real world because of your NFT art. Wow, that's amazing. And and that kind of goes into ownership and artwork. I'm thinking of like the other ways that this could be used with TV, with film, with music, with so many other things. And this could really be a disruptor in the space and really could change the generational wealth gap. Can I tell you an example that just happened very recently? So I'm, as I told you, I'm building the Stapleverse. It's, it's, a, it's a series of NFT artwork that we're about to launch. And I wrote a blog post, okay, to describe to the community what I'm going to be doing, right? A written blog post with a photo attached. Um, before I did that blog post, you know when you're like trying out something, you want to write like a test post first? You just like, hello world, this is a test. I'm just going to send that out before I do my real one. So I put out a test post and I decided to mint my test post as an NFT. So I, I NFT'd the post. This goes into what you're saying about authors, musicians, and, and the like, right? I minted the NFT that was a test post 
that NFT now is going for about $60,000. Oh my goodness. Then I wrote the real post, which was another $65,000, $70,000. So between two blog posts talking about the project that I'm about to release, I've already generated about $150,000. That's my money. Like that's not WordPress's money, Blogspot's money, Google's money, Medium's money. That's my money. So you talk about empowering the original authorship. Like I wasn't even trying to make money from that. I was just trying to make an announcement, but I made money from the announcement. So it's pretty game changing. But what my counter is, is it because you have the brand and the name? Like, could any John Smith out there decide to do a blog post and it could sell for 80000 Or is it because you also have the brand and the recognition that the community says Jeff Staple is worth or valued at X? Yeah, it, that's definitely lighter fluid on it to make it accelerate. But in the Web2 world, if you write a blog post on WordPress or whatever it is, there's no way for you to make that kind of money, no matter how big you get. Like all the money goes to the social media company or the larger company to make money off of ad sales. But at least in Web3, you're allowed to have the freedom to build your reputation. Get, you know, when things go viral on YouTube, right, that's often, you know, some young kid playing guitar, doing a selfie, and then all of a sudden, Somebody co-signs it, whether it's like a Justin Bieber discovers it, you know, shares it, and then that nobody becomes a somebody overnight. That's actually how Justin Bieber started, right? Like he was a YouTuber. So, but think about if Justin Bieber made direct sales money from each view and download off of his original kid YouTubes. Like, obviously, Bieber's not complaining about the money he's made, but if he was empowered from the beginning, now think about how much money YouTube made from those Justin Bieber videos going viral. Like YouTube made all the money, and the argument is like YouTube said to you know young people like, yeah, but we gave you the exposure, so that's why we're getting the money. I Fair love that enough. word exposure, yeah. Expo- everyone. yeah. <laughs> Everyone's heard that pitch, right? Like, yeah. I'm gonna give you exposure. Exposure, yeah, exposure, exposure doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> exposure does not pay the rent. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all, no. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the game changer moment, you know, is, but uh, agreed, what you said is true. Like, because I already have a following, because I already have a reputation and notoriety, it happened really quick. It happened in a day. And it might take a year for somebody else, but like, it's going to happen when, you know, that's where I go back to Wagme. We all going to make it eventually. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, so one of my biggest concerns when it comes to NFTs is the amount of energy that it takes to close on a transaction. These transactions are happening less than six uh, seconds, but they're using the same amount of energy the size of Switzerland. Like, it, it's insane. So I go back and forth of like, do I like NFTs? Do I not? Do you think that when they are saying that they are trying to create solutions to have less energy to consume these transactions. Do you think that will happen? And I mean, how do you feel about the environmental implications that these digital assets are having? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it, obviously this is to each his own on your own personal beliefs, right? So you're talking to someone who has a clothing line and who makes sneakers, both of which are Literally, I think number one and number two, the biggest contributors to like, you know, global warming is fashion and footwear. Um, So I always try to figure out ways to make it better and to make it less impactful. 
but for for whatever it is, like this is the medium that I've chosen to communicate in, you know, and NFTs are now part of that. Now, in my own personal research uh, on the the environmental footprint of NFTs, it is still way, 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 way less than fashion and footwear. Um, and then now if you compare them to like the global um, footprint of Instagram, Facebook, Meta, you know, WhatsApp, like all of those. And yeah, the metaverse, like, it's just like, you got to choose, you got to pick your poison. You know what I mean? Like I get, if you want to be the most conscious person in the world, then give up clothing, give up footwear, just put on a loincloth and a sandal, dis- disconnect your iPhone, disconnect social media, and then you are really contributing as a global human citizen. But if you are going to sort of play this part as a human that occasionally buys clothes, goes to a mall, eats food, and like in- interacts with society on, on, a, on like a social media level, then you have to make decisions about where you want to like sort of allocate your global footprint, your, your carbon footprint, you know? Um, so everyone, it's, that's why I say it's to each his own. And, and there are ways to offset your carbon footprint. There's a company called Ariel that does a really great job of like, you tell them what you're doing in the NFT space and then they tax you on it and you pay for that. And then it negates the carbon footprint that you've added by subtracting it either by like planting trees or cleaning the air or investing in a filtration plant. Yeah. I love that. So th- so there are active other alternative, not I guess alternative solutions, but you can purchase an NFT but also still do good for the world if you want to as far yes. as environmental issues. Yes. Okay. The naysayers good. will say it, it'd be better if you didn't add the footprint in the first place. First place, yeah. But, but then I it's mean, like, just live under the rock, too. The, right. that, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so I actually went to an event this weekend. It wasn't an NFT event, but a lot of the people there were speaking on crypto and NFTs. And I, for anyone that listens to this podcast, I don't purchase crypto. I'm just, I'm I'm still, like, old school conservative. And, like, for me, it's it's definitely... I think a more risky place than NFTs, which I would love your opinion on. But someone said to me, if you don't believe in crypto, which I don't, I I do believe in crypto. I believe in blockchain technology and what that can do, because that is absolutely a game changer. But they said, if you don't believe in crypto, then you can't believe in NFTs. So I actually put that question to you because I do believe in NFTs. I do believe in crypto. I think that there's a lot of things that need to be done. But for me, I I fully embrace the blockchain technology and where that is being developed out. Yep. I agree with you. False on that person. False on that person. And to me, NFTs are the new frontier of how artists can express themselves and own their IP. Period. Point. Yes. Point. That's all that is. Yes. Right? Yeah. Crypto is the preferred currency to exchange NFTs with people. But there, you can buy NFTs with your American Express MasterCard credit card if you wanted to. Like one of my drops with Artifact was, as they call fiat currency, you could, people were buying it with their regular old credit card. So you, they didn't need crypto to buy my NFT. So that, that negates it right there. But yeah, to me, those two things are totally separate. I actually see them in my head as separate as well. Okay, so um, I guess one of the final questions, I mean, we've danced around it, but directly, how does one get started in the NFT space? Um, This is my advice. Figure out the amount of money 
that, again, if you just took this money and threw it in the garbage, what amount of money is that? And to me, that's, that's the same as Vegas money, right? If you're going you're going to Vegas, you're going to the casino, how much are you willing to withdraw to your ATM? Start with that amount. Let's just say it's like $500, right? You start and there. And stick with that amount. Yeah. Don't start winning and then start taking more money out because people like to do that when they gamble. They exactly. get excited. Whatever that amount is, stick with it, period. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Go on, sorry. Yeah. So take out that money, $500, have that conversation with your spouse and loved ones that, okay, <laughs> we're about to lose this money, right? Um, and then the two most common ways to start off is the two biggest companies are Coinbase and MetaMask. Those are the two biggest and most trusted organizations that manage that USD to crypto conversion. Um, the two most popular currencies are Bitcoin and Ethereum. I would suggest Ethereum. Bitcoin, you're going to get like a hair slice of Bitcoin at this point. Um, Ethereum is also where a lot of the NFTs are transacted on in terms of the currency. So change that 500 go to Coinbase or MetaMask, change it to Ethereum. Then check out the website called OpenSea, OpenSEA. OpenSea is basically like almost like the eBay or the StockX of NFT culture. It's where everyone goes to sell. There are other ones, but the other ones are more like networks. So there's Foundation, Rarible, Legend. There's all these different platforms that are out. Those are the equivalent of... Mr. Porter, Netta Porte, uh, Farfetch, you know, like whatever store you want to go to, they have their curation. That's what that is. But OpenSea is like eBay, like everyone or Amazon, everyone goes there to sell. And then really now it's like shopping for art, right? And beauty is in the eye of the beholder. One, one man's art is another man's trash. Whatever vibes with you, whatever you would feel good about, regardless if it goes up or down in price, don't worry about speculation. Don't worry about investment. Just be like, I love this. I want to have this on my portfolio and phone. I'm going to buy it. It's $300. Then spend your money that you moved into Ethereum onto that NFT. One thing to note that was something that I had to learn is this concept called gas fees. So gas fees, when you purchase an NFT, is the equivalent of transaction costs, right? So in the real world, oftentimes that is like a credit card fee that the merchant has to pay for. For whatever reason, in the NFT world, that fee is passed upon the purchaser, not the person who's selling it. And I love all these analogies that I've made for myself because I'm old school, but gas fees are similar to like Uber surge prices. You know on Uber, prices get more expensive when more people are trying to get a car. When it's busier on Ethereum and when it's busier with people trying to buy art, the price of the transaction goes up to regulate the traffic, okay? So if you, if you, sometimes when it's bad, if you're buying a $250 piece of art, the gas fees might be $250, legit. Like I've seen it that bad. But if you wait till like a Sunday at 2 a.m., it might come down to like $70 or $50. So you just gotta time it right, you know? Um, and then that's it. You, you own your piece. Now you got two pieces of investment because the currency that you have left will go up and down and fluctuate, right? The Ethereum that you have left in your wallet will go up and down. And then the value of the NFT will also go up and down. So you automatically now have two pieces of investment in your wallet, the currency and the NFT. So that's a great start. And just start there and you're already in. Your feet are wet. 
Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and also educate yourself on what you're trying to purchase, regardless, any investment, any NFT, anything, anything. Yeah. By the way, the two places that the NFT and crypto world love to communicate on are on Twitter and uh, an app called Discord. Um, Discord is basically Slack for the Web3 community. It looks and operates very similarly to Slack. And then Twitter, ironically, you know, I know everyone went to like, Everyone in Web2 started talking, Twitter's dead, we're going to Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. But I find those platforms don't resonate well with the NFT community. They all love Twitter still, for whatever reason, I'm not sure why. But uh, if you want to learn more about this, head to Twitter and just start following some of the people that are big in the space, like myself, Bobby Hundreds, Gary V, Artifact, and you'll just start seeing how this works really, really quickly. You know what, a follow-up question. So, I mean, I think that you guys are, are definitely great people in, in this space, but one of the things when you're talking about like investing in the stock market and looking at like financial analysis on things, like this research is regulated, it's documented. Do you think we'll get to a point in this NFT crypto world where there will be actual experts, like licensed, regulated experts for people to really... Um, lean in and understand the space. Because right now, I mean, even if you're a genius in the space, it doesn't necessarily mean mm -hmm. that you are giving the yeah. best advice. I give, it, I give it 18 months. 18 months. I think, it, I think in the next 18 months, you will start seeing the Charles Schwab's and the JP Morgan's of the world offering advice and consultation on crypto. It's inevitable. Okay. Watch. Okay. Yep. And not to say that you have to do that, you know? See, I think my, my, my view even on stock investing, if you look at my stock portfolio, it's American Airlines because I fly American, Beyond Meat because I love what they're doing. Like, it's things that I believe in. And I think right now in this space, I'm eager and excited to hear you say 18 months because I want to be more in this space. But for me, I'm really conservative. And I know people are like, you, you traded. Like, how can you be conservative? I, I am. I like looking at statistics, data, research. And if there is not enough of that, I certainly won't be investing more than 1% of my portfolio. I have money that I could invest. But again, I, I work too hard to just play around. <laughs> I love the name of your show, Mind, Body, Wealth, because I think they're all connected. Like if somebody gave me a stock tip that was going to make me wealthy, but it was like, I'm making it up, destroying the Amazon rainforest, like a hundred acres a second, but it was going to make me a lot of money. I couldn't live with myself. Like my mind and body would suffer while my wealth exploded. That's not a balanced being for me. I need it to all no. be going. Yeah. No. So we on the same page there. Thank you, Jeff. Oh, this was such a great conversation. I'm so excited that you came on today. Thank you also. This was a lot of fun. For those of you listening out there, if you want to follow what I'm doing, follow me at Jeff Staple on all the socials uh, and the NFT universe that I'm about to unveil called at Stapleverse. Thanks a lot. Okay, so let me break this down for you all. I want to give you an example. NFTs equal masters in the music industry. And as you know, there are four major music companies that own 90% of the music catalog out today. And they profit in perpetuity, that means the rest of their lives, on the work of all these artists out in the world. There are different NFTs, all digital, but some NFTs can allow an individual to create their work by writing in the code of their blockchain in the NFT. 
So if the creator wants 15% or whatever percentage they come up with of residual payment for the rest of their life, they can do that. If their music is resold again and again and again, they can get 15% off of each sale. And it's because it's a code that can never be altered. You can follow this after you pass and pass it on to your kids, grandkids, great grandkids, etc., etc. I strongly believe NFTs have the opportunity to close the generational wealth gap. NFTs have the power to give creators full ownership of their work, which since the beginning of time has been a constant battle over who gets the profit off a creator's work. And this has largely impacted the black community. And if we had this digital footprint back in the day, Big Mama Thornton, who famously got her song Hound Dog stolen by Elvis, her family would be set today. Now that is what I'm talking about when I'm saying creating generational wealth. And this is why I get so excited about this space. No longer are the days where we do not have access to keep our power and our possession. What do you plan to do with this information, if anything at all? This isn't a push to go out and create or even buy an NFT. But doesn't this information make you feel empowered that now you have a seat at the table? And I'm here to tell you, a blockchain is here to stay and it is going to transform businesses, supply chains and ownership. This space is fairly new, that is the reality. And for me, I am more of a conservative investor. I loved the conversation with Jeff today, and it does make me want to get involved, but the reality is there just aren't any experts or regulation at this time to follow leaders or for me to jump in. But if you are someone who still wants to invest in this space, here are some things that you can do. Number one, educate yourself, period. And I know you've heard me say this again and again and again, and I will keep saying it. And honestly, if you can't deep dive as much as you want in educating yourself in the space, then number two, invest in your values. They are your North Star, they are your guiding light. Invest on what gets you excited. If you're gonna invest, you should be investing in things that you love and you care about. Like Jeff said, if you were to invest and lose your money, it's perfectly okay because you loved what you bought and you loved what you invested in. Number three, Find your tribe. I want you to talk through your investment decisions with your tribe. And sometimes leaning on support can help guide you in the right direction. Maybe even get creative and invest together as a group. And lastly, number four, I'm gonna bring this back to episode one, where Nipsey Hussle said it best, we are being informed in real time and things will continue to change and evolve. But the question is, does it feel right to be on this new journey? Join me, Lauren Simmons, on our next episode of Mind Body Wealth dropping next week. And be sure to follow Mind Body Wealth only on Spotify. Until next time. Mind Body Wealth with Lauren Simmons is a Spotify original production from Best Case Studios. It's executive produced by Lauren Simmons and produced by Ayana Angel. From Spotify, executive producers are Gina Delvac and Jeepa Yador. Producer is Tierra Darnell. Executive producer for Best Case is Adam Pincus. Our associate producer is Ali Gallo. Our editor is Galen Mullins. And our assistant editor is Alana Myers. 
Thanks to Marmoset and Five Alarm for this music. And special thanks to Kevin Pham, Lauren Chin, Colin Frederick, Hannah Lebowitz Lockhart at Best Case, Evan Tarantino, Free Bird, Amanda Long, Jordan Tochinski at Spotify for production support, and Ashley Acevedo and Arabella Roberts at Artist First. <laughs>